Hi everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Hashtag Never Alone. Um, I'm your host, Joe Ambridge. Um, I am here with my co-host, uh, relationship counsellor and psychotherapist, Mark Fielding. Hi, good Hello. evening. <laughs> uh, today's topic is ADHD, and we do have a lived experience guest who we will be interviewing shortly. Um, so Mark, just give me a little in um, on what you know about ADHD. I know it's not your field but what do you know about ADHD from professional experience? Yeah sure I mean ADHD attention deficit hyperactivity disorder Um, yeah I mean these are I'm going to kind of talk about it generally because you know as with all you know with all of these things you know these conditions are so you know so individual Um, but generally restlessness uh, impulsivity you know, some level of hyperactivity can be experienced by people with, you know, experiencing ADHD, although they don't have to experience all of these things. Um, it could just be perhaps restlessness. It could be just hyperactivity, which I think makes it quite difficult to diagnose. Um, I mean, often, I think this is possibly changing a, a wee bit, but I mean, often children in school can have ADHD and this can be undiagnosed for, you know, many years which, you know, is obviously really, really difficult for them. Um, yeah, and, and the, the teaching staff can look at it, you know, the behaviour, the impulsivity as just being difficult, whereas, of course, it is part of, you know, ADHD. Um, the mistake, I think, that people often think around ADHD is that there's an inability to concentrate. Um, but actually, people with ADHD do have a bit of a super fa- superpower and they can hyper-focus. So, I mean, generally, um, if, there's, so if there's a task that is particularly interesting and stimulating to someone with ADHD, I mean, they can really focus on this task, you know, and really get into flow, you know, and that obviously can be really, really beneficial. Um, I guess looking at the shadow side of that is, you know, often with a, people with ADHD, they'll notice everything. Um, of noticing things that other people don't notice, you know, and that can be a good thing, i.e. in terms of, you know, solving problems. But I guess that can also be a bad thing, you know, if concentrating on an examination, for instance, you know, someone with ADHD can often be so aware of everything around them that's going on that it can be difficult to focus on that one task. Um, You know, recent studies have suggested that people with ADHD are really great at multitasking, Uh, I guess, which fits in a little bit with what you were saying, Jeremy, uh, in terms of kind of ADHD being beneficial in business. Um, The causes of ADHD are unknown. It can be shown to run in families, you know, and often ADHD can be found in other presentations. Often people with Tourette's syndrome, you know, will, will also have a kind of ADHD component to that. Um, looking at treatments, um, I mean, historical treatments of things like Ritalin, that's quite well known, isn't it? And, and Adderall, um, kind of boosting the brain's ability to focus, you know, but more recently, um, studies have shown that exercise is massively beneficial. Now, you know, I've probably talked about this on the show many, many times, you know, I'm a real, you know, real fan of exercise for mental health, Um and it's fascinating that exercise, you know, can be really good for ADHD, can really help focus, really help attention. Uh, and also being in nature, 
again, really beneficial for ADHD. So I guess exercising somewhere, you know, in a natural environment can be really, really great. Um, yeah. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Um, what's the difference between ADHD and ADD? Yeah, my understanding is that ADD is just the old the old term. Um, it's oh, been kind okay. of updated to yeah, ADHD. Ah, so I've got a few statistics here that I've found. It's a website called Delotti. Uh, it says, in Australia, the prevalence of ADHD in children under 14 years of age was estimated to be 4.2%. And for adults between 18 and 44 years of age, prevalence was estimated at 4%. Um, and then prevalence for adults over the age of 45 drops significantly to 1.8%. Um, and one other st statistic that I read earlier when I was doing my research, it's more common in boys than girls. Hmm. I mean, that's really interesting. I, 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 mean, I guess some of the studies suggest that the effects of it kind of tail off a wee bit as people get older. Uh, you, you know, for me, and you know, I, mean, I always struggle with the word disorder. You know, I mean, I, I guess ADHD is just another example of neurodiversity. You know, with the condition, there are positives and there are negatives, right? You know, disorder, I think, has such a negative connotation, you know, but there are yeah. you know, lots of positives now in the condition. It's a bit like disability as well. Yeah. Kind Quite of similar. disabling, isn't it? There's something about that. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're not here to discuss the word disorder. Yeah. <laughs> There's something personally I just struggle with, really, when things are kind of called this. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we introduce our guest? Uh, no, no, nothing at this point. So, as always, like every other episode we have before, we have a lived experience guest who's very kindly going to share the story with us. Um, we'd like to introduce Jeremy Britton. Thank you for joining us, Jeremy. Good evening, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, so just uh, like we always ask our guests, just give us a little insight into your lived experience with uh, ADHD. Um, I was born in the early 70s and it wasn't really a, a thing back then. Um, my parents had three girls before me and my sisters were those type of girls who would sit quietly in the corner and read a book or play with their dolls for an hour and not annoy mum and dad too much. And then I came along as the first boy and I was just manic and always running and jumping and playing and breaking things and climbing things and, you know, jumping on the furniture. And my parents were inexperienced. It's what it's like to have a boy. Um, boys are obviously different to girls. And when I was about four or five years old, I was actually diagnosed with what was then ADD. Um, and, and I was diagnosed as hyperactive by two different doctors. And my parents were like, oh, thank God. No, it's not, it's not just us. We're not just bad parents uh, who can't control our little boy. And it's not just that he's, he's so different from the girls. He's different to every other kid out there. Um, because there are some parents that have quiet little boys who sit in the corner and play with their toys. But I was just a, a big handful. And the doctors who diagnosed me said, oh, you know, we might be able to give him some drugs and things like that and calm him down. And my parents very bravely said, no, no, we're not going to medicate him. Um, we're just going to keep him away from, you know, sugary cereals. We're going to keep him away from Milo and things that might have a lot of sugar or artificial flavorings in them and just keep him on a natural diet, which 
I guess they think stopped the worst of my outbursts. Um, but I was still a very, very energetic child. And I think for the first, oh, probably first five or six years of primary school, every single one of my report cards had the same word written on them. It was disruptive. And, you know, Jeremy does his work. He's very clever, but he's disruptive. You know, he he's sometimes pays attention in class, but he's disruptive. Those words just sort of echoed across my, my school reports. It kind of made me laugh back then because it was the same thing from different teachers at different schools, even in different towns. And, of course, nowadays, disruption is celebrated. We love to have disruption in business. Disruptive is the new, the new tech. It's, the, it's breaking what's, what's not broken and inventing something new. Yeah, yeah. because the, 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 the looking in that kind of disruption, what you're saying, Jeremy, with creativity. I mean, people with ADHD, you know, really, really often have a you know enormous propensity to creativity. So yeah. that's a disruption and being creative in business, I guess. Yeah, I guess that kind of echoes what you're saying. Yeah, I, I like what you said about neurodiversity um, rather than ha calling it a disorder, because I, I consider mm. it to be a superpower. Mm. Yeah, it's it's something once once you harness it. And that's probably why it drops away. I'm, I'm not sure why it drops away in, in the 40s um, because by then most people have found their passion. And you know, a lot of kids who may have been called hyperactive or, or ADD you know, jump from job to job to job and, and you know, project to project and hobby to hobby um, until they find what they really love to do. It's, it's interesting that you said before that exercise is a great thing. Um, because my dad was very athletic. He was the captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team when he was at school and he was very into calisthenics and athletics and that sort of stuff. And when he had a boy, he was like, fantastic. Now I can actually teach this kid sports because the three girls didn't want to play sports. But I was enrolled in indoor cricket, outdoor cricket, football, soccer, you name it. I, but I was just very, very bad at all sports and my dad was sort of tearing his hair out. Um, because I, I just was bad at anything that had a ball in it. But I did get into things like uh, Cubs and Scouts, um, Army Cadets and things like that, so I could spend a lot of time outdoors and go camping. And um, I, I would prefer to sort of often be sort of self-directed. I'd go exploring and climbing trees and looking for animals and, and things like that rather than playing a team sport. And even, you know, after, after sort of growing up a bit, um, I would prefer to go to the gym um, to, to keep myself fit and I do self-directed stuff rather than playing in a team with other people. I, I did not play well with others. And, you know, that was seen as a disability back then because, you know, in school you're supposed to cooperate and play with the other kids. But, again, once you leave school and get into business, it's actually quite great to be working in a new direction and doing something different to what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I mean, school is often not a, not a great place for people with ADHD, you know, or neurodiverse people generally, you know, whether that ADHD is diagnosed or not. I mean, the, the fact it's not diagnosed often in school, you know, I think is obviously really, really difficult for, you know, for kids kind of growing up and this whole disruption thing, just being negatively described as someone who's, you know, really disruptive when actually, it, it, you know, they've got neurodiversity going on. I mean, Jeremy, mm. I wanted to ask you about exercise. What, what do you notice? In terms of the benefits of exercise, I mean, what, what do you what do you see? I mean, you still exercise now, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly after COVID, putting on a couple of kilos, I needed to get back into the gym. Um, but one one thing I've found particularly great is meditation as well. 
because, mm. you know, from the second I wake up till the second I fall asleep, my brain is just going in a hundred different directions. Mm. Um, and I discovered meditation was a great way of reducing stress because um, while you say we can multitask, and might end up with 15 different things going on, but none of them get finished. And that can be a stress if you've started 15 projects during the day and, and not actually completed one. Uh, meditation is really good to focus your thoughts and channel the thoughts and stop so much of the what they call the monkey mind uh, going on and distracting you in the background. So I would say yeah, any exercise is good exercise. Um, some of my friends do swimming or running or, you know, team sports or whatever. Um, you know, my, my thing is going to the gym and listening to, listening to music and, and lifting heavy things. Uh, but also meditation. Meditation is something I picked up in 2010 um, when I was very, very stressed at the time. And um, I actually took a few months off work and, and spent a lot of time delving into meditation and hypnotherapy and a few of those sort of mind sciences. And it's something I've done every single day since then. I continue to do because it's, it's brilliant. You just can't overestimate how good it is. Yeah, do you, know, do you know, I mean, meditate, we've talked about meditation quite a lot on the show, you know, I absolutely agree, meditation is really fantastic, you know, and it really doesn't take a lot of time, I mean, people, you know, really struggle, don't they, to develop a meditation practice, but mm. I guess it is one of these things that it, it's not about any one particular meditation, I guess that, you know, the, the, your mindfulness muscle grows over time, I mean, I don't know whether, is that something that you recognise, Jeremy, the longer you've meditated, the kind of more control you get? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I went, when I first started meditating, like I would sit for an hour and do a guided meditation. And if, if I had like one or two seconds of my mind not talking during that, that hour, then I was like, oh, my God, that was just bliss for one or two seconds during that hour. Um, but then, as, as you say, like it's, it's like building a muscle. And over time, you get better and better. And sometimes I've, I've literally been so busy with my business that I've had like seven to ten minutes in between clients. And I can sit for just seven minutes, put the timer on, and I can get a, a, a little zen-like meditation in seven minutes because I've done it so many times, I know exactly where to go now. And I, I think people in the gym, if you first start in the gym um, or first start with any sport, you're kind of all over the place and not sure what you're doing. But once you actually... Get your get your groove on, um, then you can have shorter and more powerful sessions. Um, one question I'd like to ask, um, in relevance to kind of what's going on in the world at the moment, how have you coped with like lockdown when we've been in lockdown and stuff? Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, like trying to stay focused. And uh, Joe, as I think you were saying before, like we we can have hyper focus. And if I'm working on something that's, that's really fascinating to me, um, sometimes, like, I, I traditionally, I'd, I'd get up before sunrise, I'd meditate for an hour down on the beach, then I'd come back into the office and I would, I would start work. And I'd usually do, you know, like, an hour and a half, two hours work, then I'd have breakfast and I'd, I'd see a few clients and then I'd have lunch and I'd see a few clients and, you know, knock off and have dinner and that's the end of the day. But some days, um, particularly when I'm doing funnily enough some admin tasks and things like that when I don't have client interruptions I can easily sit at the computer for like six seven eight hours and all of a sudden I sort of go oh gee I really need to go and you know visit the bathroom and I'll stand up to go to the bathroom and it almost collapse because I'm faint and go oh geez like I've been sitting here for nine hours I haven't been to the bathroom I haven't eaten anything I haven't drunk anything 
Yeah. I've just been so focused on what I'm doing. I'm like, oh man, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe I should have breakfast now. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel like the recent medical resources and stuff here are a high standard or what are your opinions on like uh like the therapist goods? Have you had good experience with uh medical resources? Um I, I tend to, and probably again from my from my parents, the way we were brought up is like the natural alternatives and the natural solutions are the ones we try first. And so having a, a good diet that's free from artificial chemicals and artificial colours and things like that means that I very rarely get sick. Like I've had one sick day in the last 15 years of my life. And you know, I can only remember once or twice being sick as a kid and my parents as far as I know, I've never gotten sick in the 80 years of their life. Um, so, you know, I, I guess there, there is a place for the pharmaceutical industry, obviously, but I would say, obviously, any artificial chemicals, you know, pharmaceuticals that you take into your body are going to have side effects, and some of those may be unpleasant. So you know, if you can try the natural alternatives first, because there's, there's no side effects with meditation. There's no side effects with eating a banana or going for a walk in nature. Um, so try those things first before you actually start down the path of, of pumping chemicals into yourself or into your child. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what I was going to ask you, so I don't know if I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> can, 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 I, can I just jump in? I just, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, what, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so resonating with everything you're saying, Jeremy. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, there is a place for medication. You know, ADs and depressants can, you know, another medication can really help people, right? So I, I really want to, you know, I don't want to demonise medication at all because it can be, you know, lifesaver for people. But, you know, but studies say that exercise is better than antidepressants. Mm. You know, and exercise is something that is natural. It's something that, you know depending on our ability to exercise, of course, is available to all of us. Meditation, again, is really, really available to all of us. It's, you know, we, it, it's it's easy just to sit down and just to medicate, you know, being out in nature. I mean, all of these natural things, you know, are increasingly seen as really, really the most effective things for, you know, a whole range of kind of mental health issues. And what you were saying about diet as well, you know, I mean, I guess this, avoiding all of these artificial colours, flavours and sugar and everything. I guess you've done this, you know, in part to try and manage the ADHD, but but actually I guess you're doing what we should all be doing, really, because these things are toxic for all of us, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, I, and I, obviously as, as a child my diet was largely controlled by my parents, um, mm. but as an adult I could make my own choices. And I, I would notice myself, like I, I, I remember very, very clearly going to someone's house and having a big drink of, of green cordial um, and going, oh, my God, you know, like my, my heart started beating so fast I could feel it in my chest. I think I was up to about 140, 150 beats a minute sitting still and thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to go and have a heart attack. And I actually walked in the other room and sat down and just started doing some of my deep breathing meditation sort of stuff until the feeling passed and going, Wow, like some of, some of these things, kids are drinking bottles of bottles of cola and, and sugary things and, and artificial colours and flavours all the time. Yeah. Um, and if you're used to it, then you don't know. Um, you know, you you just got a low level reaction to that at all times. But once you stop having that thing happy out of your diet, and then you put it into your diet, you really really notice. I definitely agree. Like especially with energy drinks as well. I suffer from anxiety, and I know as soon as I 
was diagnosed with anxiety that anytime I had anything like Red Bull or anything, it would increase my <laughs> heart rate excessively in comparison to probably someone that didn't have anxiety. Yeah. Um, but one night I was out on a night out with my friend. I'd been having Red Bull and vodka or something like that. And I was out in the smoking area with my friend and I could literally see my heart beating through my chest. Mm. Mm. Like, it's just so bad. And since then, I've not drunk a single energy drink. So it impacts my anxiety so badly. Yeah. There's an energy drink called V um, yeah, with a big V on the label. And there's another drink um, which is a vegetable and fruit drink called a V8 because it's eight yeah. types of different vegetables. And I picked up the wrong one one day. I was actually out driving, going to see a client. And I, I stopped to get petrol. And I grabbed this, what I thought was the V8 tomato juice and, you know, continued on my journey and I was drinking this and going, oh, this tastes funny. This tastes like ew, bad chemicals. Like there's something wrong with this drink. Maybe the tomato juice has gone off. So I'd only drunk less than half of the drink. And then I looked at the can and went, oh, that's not good. Um, and I was driving along the road and all of a sudden my, my pulse rate started to go up. It was like, you know, 150, 160 beats a minute. And I'm like, I've got to pull over. I'm going to cause an accident. <laughs> and, you know, because the, the mind and the body are connected. And so when, yeah. when the body is having these heart palpitations, the mind thinks there must be danger. So you start thinking all these paranoid thoughts and, you know, something terrible is going to happen and I have to worry about something. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, just deep breathe, calm down. <laughs> It'll go away soon. Um, does does the feel- does the ADHD? Oh, sorry, Jacob. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask about, about about the ADHD and anxiety. I mean, it, it's sometimes linked to anxiety. I mean, is that something that that you've experienced, Jeremy? Oh, definitely, definitely. And and in my days before I actually learned meditation, um, I, I would have you know probably low level anxiety all the time, and you know obviously heightened anxiety depending on what was going at home and depending on what was going on at work. There was always something to worry about. And, you know, the brain likes to solve puzzles and, and do mysteries and, and things like that. And, you know, if you're not giving it something to work with, it's just going to go to town on rehashing old conversations or old arguments. And what if I said this and they took it the wrong way? And why hasn't that person called me for the last three weeks? Well, probably because they're busy. But, you know, maybe it's because of something I did and you start to worry about things that you might have done or not done and then you worry about things that could possibly happen in the future and you know, really need to just take a big chill pill, <laughs> take a deep yeah. breath, meditate, get back in the moment and go, you know what, past isn't real, the future's not real, just take a deep breath and do whatever I can right here, right now. Yeah, I mean, the present moment focus is so powerful, isn't it? You know, and that, you know, it's almost like it's been said so many times, isn't it? That like it's almost like a cliche now, but you know, but the present moment is actually where we live our lives, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, when the mind's kind of going back and going forward, you know, we're just not present really, you know, in our, in our own lives at all, really effectively. No, most, most people aren't, you know, and no. they say if you're living in the past, that's where you have depression. And if you're living in the future, then you'll have anxiety. But if you can actually just be in the present moment and say, okay, there's, there's something I can do right now. I might not be able to control the situation, um, but I can control how I feel about it. I control my own thoughts. I can control my breathing. And sometimes that's all you need to do. You don't have to be a Zen monk sitting and listening to a channeled meditation. You can just take one really deep breath and go, okay, I'm here. That's it. <laughs> that's a meditation. It takes two seconds. 
So, but yeah, as, as I say, like before I learned meditation, I was riddled with anxiety all the time. Um, and, and do I you guess feel like yeah. your Go friends and family um, uh, understand it and uh, really uh, like help you out and are supportive of it? Of meditation or of I think it would drive me nuts most of the time. It depends on on what I was doing. Like you know, if we're supposed to be sitting in a church service, and I'm the one who's fidgeting and twisting and jumping around, and you know, whispering jokes under my breath and that sort of stuff. Uh, then obviously that's very very annoying. But um, if I was working on something for a client or you know working on something with my family, then obviously harnessing the energy for good and that's that's part of the secret because you know as, as i say like adhd can be a superpower um in the same way you know superman can go around and save the world but if superman was raised by a bunch of criminals instead of being raised by parents with old-fashioned values he could have been an absolute menace you know he could be destroying things rather than helping people so it's just you know if if I'm using my power for good and I'm helping you out, then fantastic, you love me. But if you're supposed to be sitting there and reading a book and I'm poking you every five minutes and saying, what's that? What are you reading? What are you doing? <laughs> it's going to annoy the cat I mean, some, something you, you, you were saying a minute ago, Jeremy, about kind of you, about your mind and, you know, the, the tendency for it to go back if it's not occupied and, you know, and just kind of create maybe negative stories and start pulling up things from the past, you know. I mean, I'm kind of thinking, I think people with, I think this is probably true, I'm generalising across the board of people with ADHD, you know, the, the, the ability to have creativity, the brain is very, very creative. And I guess the positives, this I think is also true of different, you know, different um, kind of neurodiverse conditions. OCD, I think, also fits this really. People with OCD tend to have really, really creative brains. But I guess it can be a force for good. I guess if you're, you know, in your work, and we'll ask you more about that, you know, it's probably really, really helpful. But I guess, you know, it can be a force for evil. I, if your mind is, you know, not attending to something, you know, in the present or, you know, thinking about a project, then it can go back and be really creative and create negative story. So I guess it's trying to optimise the positive and, and, and mitigate the negative. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's directed focus. It's like a laser beam yeah. is really good if it's focused on, you know, burning a tumour or something like that. But if you're just whizzing it around uh, with, no, with no direction, then it's going to hurt somebody. Uh, chainsaws are a good thing, you know, if they're directed in the right place. But if they're, if they're not directed in the right place, they're going to hurt somebody. So ab absolutely, it's, it's just a matter of focusing that, um, that power that you have mm. and using it for good rather than just letting it run wild. And, you know, like the, the Buddhist monks, they talk about the monkey mind, just, you know, jumping around. And for most people, it's one monkey. But I think if you've got ADHD, you've probably got a dozen monkeys up in there and they're all egging each other on. But if you can you know, get them to work together on a project, then, you know, that's where your hyper-focus can come in and you can, you can do the same thing for five, six, seven hours doing research or, you know, solving a puzzle or solving a mystery or doing whatever you need to do depending on what, what field you're in. Like OCD, I, like I would not want to live in a house with a family member or a partner who has OCD, but absolutely I would like to hire a cleaner who has OCD. Yeah. That would be the best cleaner to have. Like, fantastic. You'd like yeah. that person. But I wouldn't want to live with a partner because sometimes I might leave the napkin on the, on the table. Yeah. I mean, it, 
yeah, and this 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 kind of brings me back to the whole disorder thing. You know, I think you know new idea new eye diversity needs to be looked at as new eye diversity. You know, we all we all bring something different, really. I mean, I mm. wanted to ask you about you know you, you mentioned in, in your initial email about being an entrepreneur and starting a business at nineteen, and I just wanted to maybe hear a bit more about that, Jeremy, and just how the ADHD. I mean, you've partly already answered this, but how it's really helped you to be successful in business. Yeah, I guess you know, do it, doing things differently. And, you know, when I, I started out in financial planning back in the, the very early 90s and there was no superannuation back then. The government hadn't put superannuation in and there was, you know, really people didn't know what a financial advisor did because most people just stuck their money in the bank and they earned 12% on term deposits. So, you know, it was really a, an uphill battle to actually go to the market and tell them, you know, I've got a new business and this is what I'm doing and I'm trying to explain it. But because I would have 111 thoughts every single minute, I would come up with great marketing campaigns and, and send out lumpy mail. I'd send out dice in a, with, a, with a brochure and send out a packet of matches in an envelope to someone. This is in the days before email, obviously, when you had to send out actual real mail. But rather than just sending a letter or a flyer or a brochure, I'd put something in it that had something to do with you know, investment or risk or diversification or something like that, just thinking of different things. And obviously it would stand out a lot more than a normal letter or a normal brochure. So, and, you know, with, with marketing that I've done in other businesses, I've had 13 or 14 startups now. Um, and usually, you know, started them with only, you know, sometimes a few hundred dollars, sometimes a couple of thousand dollars on a borrowed credit card. Um, and like, let's see if this idea works. And one of those startups was literally like $5,000 on a borrowed credit card. And in a new town where I didn't know anybody, had no friends or family in the town. And um, I, I built this business up from you know, next to nothing, no yellow pages ad or anything like that, no internet presence. And a few years later, I was able to sell that business for six figures. And it was just doing things differently. You know, I, I think, you know, Branson is one of those people who was born a little bit before me. He's a bit older than me. But back when they had undiagnosed ADHD and he was just told he was scatterbrained and, and couldn't focus on anything. And the guys started 400 different businesses. Now, some of those are multi-billion dollar businesses and some of those businesses went broke. But again, it's that, that harnessing things, doing things differently and being able to go from project to project to project and going, oh, that didn't work, I'll try something else. That didn't work, I'll try something else. This is working now. What if I do something differently and try and make it better? Yeah. Have you got any questions you'd like to ask, Mark, before we finish up? Um. I don't know. I mean, what's what's Mark's favourite way of of dealing with people <laughs> who have this superpower? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, I'm going to be honest. This is not one of my kind of specialist areas, you know. But I I have worked with people that where ADHD has been kind of part of another presentation, like Tourette's, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I think exercise and meditation. I mean, you know, I've, as I said earlier you know i've resonated really so strongly with everything you said today Jeremy. because i think exercise and meditation you know for so many conditions can be really really helpful so i think you know that often would be my start point you know calming the mind you know exercise you know helping focus helping mental resilience you know bringing in feel-good chemicals i mean i think that's often a good place to start 
Mm. Well, um, so I just want to finish up by saying thank you, Jeremy, for sharing your story with us. Um, if you have any links that you want us to share with our listeners, uh, just send them through by email and I'll share them on our social media. Um, and I want to say thank you to Mark again for helping co-host and <laughs> asking no the right Good to talk to you, <laughs> Um, we'll be back soon with another episode which will focus on borderline personality disorder which is a topic we've half revisited half revisited on the video podcast um you haven't already listened to our previous episodes we obviously now eight episodes in um i just want to say thank you to everyone that's tuned in so far we've got over 350 i think it's over 350 listeners now maybe 370 now um, our postnatal depression episode did really well, so we're 100 plays. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, and see you next episode. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Jeremy. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.